Hello and welcome to the Wittenberg Door, a weekly broadcast that examines what Lutheran Christians believe about God, the world, and us. I'm Pastor Brett Cornelius of Gethsemane Lutheran Church, and I invite you to join us for the next hour. And later, we will take questions at 740-383-9944, that's 740-383-WWGH, or on Facebook at the Wittenberg Door, where you can submit your questions live. Please join us now on the Wittenberg Door. Good Friday morning, everyone. This is Pastor Brett Cornelius, and you're listening to the Wittenberg Door on WWGH. Uh, uh, The uh, Wittenberg Door is a call-in program, and uh, the number, if you'd like to ask a question or make a contribution to the program, comment, the number is 740-383-9944. That's 383-WWGH. And uh, with me, as always, this morning is Lee. Good morning, Lee. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Okay. And Sean is at the controls flying the plane. And uh, thanks for being with us, Sean. You're welcome. Okay, folks. Well, before we get started with the uh, lessons today on the Wittenberg Door, you know we always do... um, we always do the lessons for the upcoming Sunday. We talk about what the scriptures have to say to us, have to say to our world, have to say to us personally, have to say to the church. And um, before we do that, I want to talk about the events of last uh, Sunday morning, Saturday night down in Orlando, and the, the great tragedy that occurred there uh, when um, someone with uh, hate in their heart uh, burst into uh, a nightclub and and killed. Uh, the actual count was 49 people, wasn't it? Yeah, I think the total was 72 or something injured or something. You say 72 injured yeah. and uh, and just an awful bloodbath. And uh, I was uh, watching an interview, watching Geraldo Rivera do an interview with a, a family of people that, and a big family, and as they were. Uh, as he was interviewing them, more and more people were coming into the home, and just the, just the uh, uh, distress and and the grief, and the bereavement, and the watching this family, and, the, and as he was interviewing, you know, one or two of the people, the camera was panning out and and just disconsolate people, and uh, this is what uh, this is what that hate has done. Now, you know, you may not agree with uh, a person's lifestyle, the way they live, the things they choose to value. But uh, in this country, we we get along with people that we disagree with. We we let them be. and, And we just ask they let us be. And, uh, you know, when uh, someone tries to control others or tries to uh, uh, become the, the, you know, the judge and jury and executioner of someone else's life, um, they become a monster. You become a monster. And that's what this guy was. He was a monster. And we all have hate in our heart. We all have people we disagree with. We all have people that we uh, uh, maybe don't like. Um, it's a it's a human condition. It's something we all experience. Uh, but uh, when you take that extra step, and you do what this guy did, 
it's just uh, it's just unjust. And as much as you think somebody else's lifestyle might be unjust, uh, how does it justify your taking taking their lives that way? Uh, these people, from a civil perspective, were innocent people. Of course, we know nobody's innocent, not us, not anybody, in God's eyes. But from a civil perspective, they deserve to live. They didn't deserve to be gunned down. And uh, I just want to say that the way that the Christian faith approaches people that it, that it thinks is wrong is we love them, right? right? God is love. For God so loved the world that he gave... For God so loved the world, if God didn't kill, God died for sin. And, uh, and this is what Christ Jesus came to do, was to save and to rescue rather than to obliterate. Uh, he was not willing that, you know, that any perish... But all come to eternal life, and uh, and so we we mourn the lost, uh, those innocent people that were were slaughtered in that way, and we uh, we grieve with their families. We grieve as a nation. Uh, this was the second uh, worst terrorist attack right after 9/11 in the country. And I think it just deserves our mention. And uh, we hope that you're keeping those families of the ones who were lost in your prayers. Uh, and uh, that, you, uh, that you do things that, that, uh, that help and contribute to their, to their uh, comfort. Whether it's, uh, you know, messages of love or giving blood or, or whatever it is that people need, uh, those that are injured and the help they need. Um, this, is, this is how Christians respond uh, to situations like this. Uh, we show the love of Christ to a lost and dying world. And uh, so that's uh, Lee. It's, uh, you know, of course, it's a great tragedy that this thing occurred. Uh, it will continue to occur, I think. Um, there's several problems that are contributing to it. There's the uh, the radical jihadism that that is, uh, you know, that philosophy that uh, is bent on world dominance, and um, and you know. Uh, there's the instinct within our culture to uh, disarm people and leave them helpless. And uh, that, that's kind of a bad mixture. It's a bad mixture. So I don't know what your thoughts are or if you have any in particular, but uh, those are mine. So, and I think, it, I think the, uh, this, this kind of tragedy deserves, deserves a mention when we're when we think about uh, the world and it, God's love for the world, and and uh, you know we we need to speak up and 
and uh, say what's on our mind. So what do you think is causing all this, in your opinion? All uh, these shootings and... Oh, well, I, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, in, in examples like this case, uh, it's, it's jihadism. Uh, he, you know, uh, Jesus said that there will come a time when everyone who kills you will think he's offering a service to God, right? And that's just about exactly what this guy thought he was offering a service to God. And, um, uh, and and that and and you know that stuff is there in the Quran. Uh, it, you know, the Islam is is as much a political philosophy as it is a religion, and uh, you know I think that's kind of the nature of it. Um, that's not to say Christians aren't interested in politics. We are, but Christians understand Jesus says, "My kingdom is not of this world." If it were, my, my servants would be fighting. You know, uh, uh, he, he says to Pilate, right? So uh, his kingdom is, is uh, we're, we, don't, we don't establish the kingdom of God on earth by violence, uh, really. You know, we, we, we're not really interested in establishing uh, a, um, a kingdom in a governmental sense in the world. You know, that's, it's just, you, you can't mix the two. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's jihadism. I think it's I think it's traditional um, Muslim beliefs. You know, when uh, when uh, Muhammad started the religion, uh, for the first couple years, uh, Islam swept through the Middle East and swept across North Africa, swept into Spain. Really, it was just you know stopped at uh, at the, by Charles Martel, the Battle of Tours, uh, and then throughout the the middle age, middle uh, to late Middle Ages, uh, the, the the Muslims were always threatening. Well, you know, Constantinople fell in 1543, and they started working their way up the Danube River into Europe. And it was, it was always a constant, even at the time of the Reformation, 1500s, it was, the Muslims were still bent on conquest. And I, I think it's just, it, that's the philosophy of that religion, is uh, they must establish the kingdom of God as they understand it on earth. They must establish the rule of Allah. And they, they will do it by violent means. Now you have Muslims who don't believe that, you know, there are peaceful Muslims, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> some people have their doubts. I, I think there probably are, but they don't believe the text as it's written, right? Right. When when Christians, as we'll see today, when Christians read the text of the New Testament, and it tells us, you know, don't take your own vengeance, but leave room for the wrath of God, right? Uh, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. We're going to read this today. Um, that's the kind of stuff that the, that the Christian Bible advises, right? And so when Christians read the text, uh, Jesus, we, they, we hear Jesus saying, if someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also, mm-hmm. right? That's the nature of the church. The church... Uh, uh, 
receives blows rather than administers them. Uh, but uh, Islam is, is different. It's, it's, a, it's a religion of giving blows. I guess my, my concern is what made him pick this certain place to, right. you know. Yeah. That's what I, I don't understand. High profile, soft target. Soft target. Uh, um, gun-free zone. The gun-free zone. Uh, lots of people drunk, you know, probably. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, easy targets. Uh, there was some speculation in the media this week that uh, that he had uh, some tendencies, uh, homosexual tendencies, and, and that maybe that had something to do with the attack. Well, you know, they've been – this is – it's in this case, it's a, the gay nightclub. Uh, in the last case, it was the community center in San Bernardino. In a uh, few months back, it was the military recruiting station in Chattanooga, Tennessee. You know, it was uh, Fort Hood in Texas. It was um, gas stations in Virginia, right? And yeah, well, just let's face it. These guys want to be successful. Yeah. They're going to lay, lay down their lives. They want to take out as many people as they yeah. can. So they're not going to show up in a mall or a restaurant or someplace where there might be somebody with concealed carry that will stop their reign of terror early. Yeah. And and this guy had it. He he had three hours worth of doing whatever he wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, which was sitting ducks. Now yeah. didn't uh, didn't they have bodyguards there or something in the nightclub? They had one armed security guard, and when the firing started happening, he backed out. Yeah. Not good. Not good. Well, you know, and and, and of course, uh, he he probably thought I'm outgunned, and um, you know, so he might have did what even maybe it might a police officer might have went and called for backup rather than rather than trying to. I mean, you would hope a police officer would confront it, but you know, who knows? But uh, he wasn't in. The, he 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 exited, and uh, and then waited for waited for backup. Um, but, uh, you know, if you had had patrons there, and by the way, uh, reportedly, uh, purchases of guns have gone up in, in the gay community, gay and lesbian community, that this has spurred a, a purchase of guns. Really? And who could blame them, right? If you think you're being targeted... Who would blame you for buying a gun and wanting to protect yourself? But if there had been, you know, and, and maybe this maybe this attacker, I won't say his name, maybe this attacker had, uh, had, had outgunned the security guard, but if there had been six or eight people there with guns on different sides of this guy, the story might have been a lot different. True. But... Uh, that's just one man's opinion. Yeah. Yeah. We love That's, to opine, and, 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 don't we? And by the way, <laughs> and by the way, I'm not speaking in the name of Christ, uh, speaking for Christ in that situation. I'm, so, you know, just just as a as a citizen and as a somebody who happens to inhabit a place here. Uh, okay. Well, we um, we do have some really fine, great lessons today. Uh, really classic lessons, and, and so we don't want to uh, take too much time. I'd like to go into these lessons because uh, they really do have something to say about the story and how it fits in with uh, with the scriptures. So 
Lee, would you uh, read for us the Old Testament lesson from Genesis? Yes, this is uh, from Genesis 50, beginning at uh, verse 15. And this is the, all of the readings are from the English Standard Version. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, It may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Wow. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, this is a, you know, this is like coming in at the end of a movie, right? And you see this kind of this great glorious ending and you think, wow, what was the movie about? It must have been a great movie. Uh, well, this is, this is one of those passages uh, that you have, to, you have to pack it a little bit and, uh, so people understand. Joseph was one of 12 brothers, the son of, of Jacob. And, uh, and Joseph, uh, because of his mother, Joseph kind of always had this special status with his father Jacob, uh, later to be known as Israel. Uh, J- Joseph always had this f- kind of this favored status, and um, the other brothers noticed it, and and didn't like it. They were jealous of him. God, uh, J- Jacob had bought Joseph this fine multicolored coat, and it must have been a great coat, you know. And it's like uh, when when a sibling gets something in your household, you know, and. And uh, you're like, oh, why did they get that, you know? Uh, and that's how the brothers were with them. Well, uh, then Joseph started having these dreams. And Joseph said, I had a dream, and, and we were all 12 stocks, the 12 sons. And he said, and your stocks all bowed down to my stock. Well, now they, now they really don't like this guy. He, then he had this other dream. I had, I had, I had a dream, and, and the 12 stars, uh, and your, tw- your stars all bowed down to my star. And, um, and Scripture says they hated him even more for his, for his dreams, right? And there comes an occasion when um, Jacob sends his son Joseph out to check on the welfare, and they were, these were shepherds. And uh, the nature of that business in those days was that you'd sometimes wander miles from home finding pasture for your sheep. And... Uh, uh, they, uh, Jacob sent his son Joseph out to check on the welfare of his brothers who were out shepherding the sheep. And they were miles away, uh, you know, 50 miles, 70 miles away. And, uh, and so he finds them, and when he finds them, uh, as they see him coming, they say, look, here comes this dreamer. Let's kill him, and we'll see what's coming. This is how bitter these, these brothers were toward, toward Joseph because of this favored status he had. And um, so the oldest brother talks them out of killing him. 
and, uh, and they throw him into a pit. They're going to teach him a lesson. Well, then they see this caravan of Ishmaelites come by, and they, the one brother, Judah, says, uh, look, you know, why should we kill our brother and not, not get any profit from it? Let's sell him. And that's what they do. They pull him out of the pit and they sell him. And he uh, gets taken down to Egypt and he's made a slave. And he spends some time in the, in the house of this man named Potiphar. And God is with him. God blesses him. Until, uh, until Potiphar's wife takes a liking to Joseph and she, she wants to sleep with him. And Joseph resists her, manfully resists her. And, uh, and so she accuses him of rape. So now, not only is he a slave in Egypt, away from his family, but now he's just been accused of this, really this could be capital crime. And they're not sure what to do with him. They throw him in prison. Now, prison today is uh, three hots in a cot. You get a TV in the rec room. Maybe you get some pool. You know, you get the, you get the, you get your exercise every day, you know. Uh, you get to see light. You get to see light, yeah, yeah. You get fed. The ventilation's <laughs> well, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got bathrooms and uh, so but prison in ancient Egypt was it was a it was a pit. He was back in the pit. Uh, because of this false accusation. And then uh, um, two of Pharaoh's servants uh, displease Pharaoh, and he throws them into the, into the jail as well. And so Joseph is in the jail, and while Joseph is in the jail, God blesses him, and the keeper of the jail makes Joseph, uh, makes Joseph the assistant. And so Joseph is, uh, has, has access to all the other prisoners. And uh, when he does, he finds these two, and they're, they're very distressed, and, and they tell him about dreams that they had. And, uh, and he says, tell me your dreams and I'll tell you the interpretation. So the one guy says, well, I, you know, I had a dream and um, uh, uh, had these clusters of grapes and I squeezed out these grapes into a cup and, and I put the cup in the hand of Pharaoh. And um, uh, Joseph says to him, well, that means that you're going to be put back in Pharaoh's service. Now, when you get back into Pharaoh's service, remember me. Because I've done nothing wrong here, and I'm a slave, and and uh, tell him how unjust I'm being treated. And <laughs> and then he said, the baker, uh, the uh, other servant of Pharaoh, uh, says, uh, you know, I had uh, had a dream about three baskets of bread, and the birds were coming and eating the bread out of these baskets. And he says, that means you're going to be hanged, and the birds will eat your flesh. That's not a very good interpretation, right? <laughs> Uh, I'm sure he's a little more depressed after that interpretation. Uh, well, it happens just as Joseph says. And Joseph uh, is left there in prison. Uh, the head waiter forgets about Joseph. The food taster, you might say. He forgets about Joseph until Pharaoh has these, this, these perplexing dreams. And Pharaoh has two dreams. He has, he has a dream that seven fat cows come up out of the Nile. And they're sleek and they're fat biggest cows you ever saw and uh and then seven these skinny gaunt cows come out of the Nile they eat the seven fat cows but they don't get any fatter 
and then he has a dream of these 70 years of grain and and uh, they're plump and fat and, and then uh, seven scorched ears scorched by the east wind and and they they gobble up the uh, the seven fat plump grains and and that they remain well he doesn't understand it none of the wise men in Pharaoh's kingdom can tell him what the dream means until the head waiter says oh I know a guy that interprets dreams and uh, and he brings it up to Pharaoh and Pharaoh calls up Joseph. Joseph washes and goes before Pharaoh. And Joseph tell, the Pharaoh tells Joseph his dreams, and, and then Joseph uh, interprets the dreams for him. Well, the dreams meant that, that, Pharaoh, that Egypt was going to have a, a famine. And after seven years of famine, the, uh, the, uh, 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 after seven years of plenty, I'm sorry, there would be seven years of famine, and they would, the famine would be so severe that they would forget the years of plenty. And so Joseph says, take the grain that we are now coming into and store it up for when there's the famine hits and then we'll have grain. And uh, so Pharaoh sees the wisdom in Joseph and he decides to appoint Joseph the viceroy of the kingdom. And uh, the seven years of plenty come, Joseph stores up this grain the seven years of famine hit, and it gets bad all over Egypt and all over the world, all over that region. And it gets bad in Canaan where Joseph's brothers are living. So that Joseph's brothers are forced to go down to Egypt. I, I, it's a great, I didn't say it was a short story. I said it was a great story. Uh, Joseph's brothers are forced to go down to Egypt to buy grain. And... Um, and they come before Joseph, who is, the, who is now in charge of all this. And Joseph recognizes them, but because he's dressed as an Egyptian now, they don't recognize Joseph, and he's speaking the Egyptian language and everything. Well, he tests them, and I, I know we need to, we'll move this story along a little bit. Uh, Joseph uh, wants them to bring his father down. Well, finally, he reveals himself to his brothers. And he says, uh, bring my father down. Well, the father comes down and the brothers come. They all move down to Egypt. And Pharaoh gives them the land of Goshen. So now Joseph is in power and his brothers are kind of living at Joseph's expense and Joseph's you know, tolerance until the father dies. And then when the father Jacob dies, the brothers are thinking what? Now, now comes the payback time, Right? And, and so uh, then as, as they're expecting this, they, they go to Joseph and they prostrate themselves before him and they beg for forgiveness, essentially, as we, as we just read. And what were Joseph's words to them? Well, he says to them, uh, Joseph wept when they spoke to him and his brethren and went and fell down before his face. Uh, uh, Joseph said to them, Fear not, for I am I in the place of God. Uh, in other words, look, Joseph, uh, Joseph says, it's not for me to take vengeance, right? That's God's, that's God's place. And so he says, am I in the place of God? But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is to this day to save much people alive or save many people alive. Well, that's a different translation. Uh, well, at, at any rate, what is Joseph saying? First of all, Joseph sees in all the evil that happened to him 
at the hands of his brothers, Joseph sees providence. Joseph sees that God was putting him in just the right place at just the right time so that he could be there to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. So that he could be there to rise to this level and be there really to to bring this plan to fruition to save Egypt and to save the region. Uh, So he saw God's providence in all that. And then Joseph saw that the kind of evil that was that he suffered was a personal evil. It wasn't against the nation. It wasn't against the country. It wasn't a crime in that sense. It was, uh, it was against him. And he chooses to forgive rather than to punish. You know, um, the really interesting thing about Joseph is he's a Christ figure, right? And this is something that God often does in the Old Testament scriptures. We see these really, these, these pictures of the coming Jesus. Because when you think about the life of Jesus, you know, the life of Jesus is that he was the favored one. God, he was God's only son. Uh, he was born into this, the family of the Jews, right? Who were uh, uh, the Jews? Who were the leaders of the, the the Jews? They were who were jealous of him. And what did they do? These jealous brothers of Jesus. They took him and they led him. They uh, turned him over to Pilate, and they wanted him dead. They wanted to kill him. They wanted they wanted this dreamer dead. And and they thought they had accomplished their purpose when he was crucified, and he died. And he was buried. And they thought they had accomplished their purpose. Just like uh, Joseph's brothers, I'm sure, thought they had accomplished their purpose when they sold him to to, uh, the Ishmaelites. He was gone forever. And yet Christ wasn't gone forever, just as Joseph wasn't. And Christ rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, sits at the right hand of God. He now rules heaven and earth. And everyone must come to him. And this, this Christ, our Christ, chooses not punishment and retribution for those who, who have wronged him and those who have wronged others, those who have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But by his own death and resurrection, he has paid the penalty for sin and now extends forgiveness and life to the world uh, to the last day. To the last day, that's what Christ, that's what this Christ is doing. Uh, this uh, this picture we see of Joseph in the Old Testament is really a picture of Christ and what what God intends in Christ. And unlike Joseph, he is in the place of God. Yes, he is God, right? Yeah, and and yet he he like Joseph, he extends mercy rather than retribution. He speaks kindly to us. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. That comforts us, right? And um, and so this is this is the Savior that we have. Amen. Okay. Well, we do have another lesson. We spent a lot of time on that lesson, but we do have another lesson. And uh, Lee, why don't you read the epistle lesson for us? We all like to listen to you. <laughs> okay. 
All right, this is uh, the epistle lesson, the, the letter that was sent to the Romans, uh, chapter 12, verses 14 through 21. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the low, lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And this is the word of the Lord. And thanks be to God. You know, here is a, um, this is an, an, an interesting text here from St. Paul. Uh, St. Paul has, in the book of, in this letter that he wrote to the Roman Christians, the Roman church, he really lays out what the gospel is. He tells, he tells them about the atonement of Christ, how, how every man falls short of the glory of God and needs salvation. And he tells them about the atonement of Christ, and he, and he tells them about uh, the baptized life uh, when Christians come to believe in Christ and they find peace with God, how they then live. And, uh, and then he kind of talks about Israel and what's happened to Israel. And in the last chapters of the book, what St. Paul is doing uh, is he's, is he's uh, teaching the, the Roman Christians. Again, he's coming back to their baptism, and he uh, is teaching them kind of what, what is the life that, God, that pleases God? What, uh, what kind of life do you live when you want to please God? And uh, in fact, um, he starts out this chapter by saying... Um, that we should offer ourselves as living sacrifices. Uh, and you have kind of this Old Testament imagery of the burnt offering where they would, they would come and they would just give the whole animal to God. They would burn it all up. It's called a burnt offering. And um, it was all dedicated to God. And really what, what, uh, what, what St. Paul is saying is you know, dedicate yourselves to God and, and live... Uh, sacrifice your life and your desires and your 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 plans, and uh, and and live in a way that that is an is an offering a fragrant aroma. He calls it a fragrant aroma to God. And that's all Old Testament sacrifice language. Uh, and and how do we do that? Well, we do it by blessing those who persecute us. Bless and curse not. You know, remember that we pray for people like ISIS. We pray for these radical jihadists that they would recover um, their humanity and especially that they would uh, turn from the darkness and turn to, turn to Christ. And uh, so we don't, we don't curse people. Uh, we're, called, we're called to bless people. Uh, he says to rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep. Uh, be of the same mind toward one another. Mind not high things but condescend to men of low estate. In other words, don't be afraid to be with the humble. Um, Lee's, the language, uh, the translation, Lee's translation was a little bit different. 
but here he really gets to this point. He says, um, "Return, don't return evil for evil, right?" Uh, and and this is really kind of what what we are. It's instinctual when somebody hurts us to want to hurt them back. It's almost a. It's kind of a. a a form of self-preservation, right? And if and if that's your first plan is to preserve yourself, it is it is a you know re- return evil for evil. Well, uh, he says, but uh, recommend, but uh, how does he put that in verse 17 there, the last part of verse 17? Because this has a little bit different wording. Provide things honest in the sight of all men, or do what is right in the sight of all men, or something like that. How did that read in, in the English Standard Version? Uh, do not over... Well, you, you mean the very last? 17, yeah. I don't have the numbers. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Rec- uh, don't return evil for evil, that, 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 that phrase there. Well, at any rate, he says, uh, uh, do what is right in the sight of all men. And if it possible, if it's possible, as it lie with you, live peaceably with all men. See, this is the kind of this is this is what we are being told is the Christian life, um, especially when it comes down to vengeance. And and here Paul really addresses the Romans in a in a in a in a very affectionate way. He says, "Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves." but rather give place unto wrath. In other words, the language here in my translation is a little bit different. I like this translation, but it's a little little harder to understand. Um, uh, but don't give, don't give, in other words, don't give way to your anger. You know, we've been told that, haven't we? Yeah. Uh, don't, don't let your anger control you. Um, for as written, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Right? And so, so what we do is we entrust ourselves to a faithful God who is the one who repays evil, not us, not our responsibility, right? Now, I will say something about this because this is an interesting question. Um, when we are wronged, of course, we do have recourse to civil authority. And it's not wrong for Christians to take that recourse to civil authority. If somebody smashes your windows or flattens your tires, you have, you have the right uh, for compensation. And you're not playing God when you go to the civil authorities and, and you uh, put that in their care. In fact, Paul, in the next few verses in chapter 13, what we now know is chapter 13, he begins to talk about the role of civil authority. And the same words that he uses here in chapter 12 when he says, don't avenge yourselves, he says about civil authority that it is the, it is the place where God exercises his vengeance. We shouldn't think of, uh, by the way, we shouldn't think of vengeance as being something like this future tense uh, at the last day, on the judgment day, then everybody gets what's theirs, right? Uh, no, judgment happens even now. And it happens at the hands of God. And it happens through civil authorities, right? Through the police, uh, through, the, through the military. You know, when, when we were struck on 9-11, uh, 
it wasn't wrong for Christians to call the military into action. It wasn't wrong for them to petition the government to, to call the military into action uh, because uh, the civil government was the instrument through which God wreaks vengeance, right? Right. Uh, and, uh, and of course, here Paul is talking about what happens to us personally, our personal, when somebody harms us personally and our reaction to that. He's not saying that uh, that we shouldn't do all that we can do to protect others, right? Right. Uh, so I'm not uh, I'm not uh, com- I'm not uh, taking into myself uh, vengeance. I'm not assuming vengeance for myself when I protect my household uh, by uh, you know protecting my family. And uh, fighting, if necessary, for the safety of my family. That's not vengeance. That's protection. So we shouldn't get the wrong idea about this. But what he is saying is, we don't, we don't wreak our own vengeance. That, that, that's left to God. And so, uh, you know, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In other words, love your enemy. Just as Jesus says, love your enemy. Do good to those who hate you. You know, pray for those who persecute you. That's what Christ tells us. That's what Christ teaches us. And uh, we hope that that, uh, that that Christians take those words to heart and uh, live in their baptisms as they uh, as they see the things that are happening in the world. Okay. Well, I think we have time for our gospel lesson. Why don't we read the gospel lesson and then we'll make some closing remarks. Sure. Okay. This is uh, the gospel of Luke beginning at uh, chapter uh, 6, verse 36. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. This is Jesus speaking. This would all be in red if you have a Bible that does that. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. Okay. So here again, you know, these the lessons all kind of blend together. And, uh, and Jesus says, be merciful even as your f- heavenly Father is merciful. By the way, Jesus wants us to know something about God. That God does not delight in judgment. Even though God will judge the world, God does not delight in judgment. You know, Ezekiel tells us that um, God does not delight in the death of the sinner, but rather that he turn it from his way and live. You know, and and uh, 
You know, when we see religions that do delight in the death of a sinner, we know that they, have, they, they don't know the one true God. We know that it's a false religion that delights in the death of sinners. And, um, and so Jesus, Jesus teaches us, be merciful even as your heavenly Father is merciful. Judge not and you will not be judged. And by the way, here's the, the most famous phrase and the most famous verse in the Bible, judge not lest you be judged. Or, uh, judge not uh, and you will not be judged. What he means here is not don't have discernment about things that are right and wrong, right? And we can, we can say, we can speak about things that are right and wrong. But what he means is we don't condemn the person. We, we, we don't want their death. We don't want their punishment. We, we want them to be forgiven. We want them to be helped, right? So we, we shouldn't take that, that verse out of context and, and what Jesus means. To judge somebody is not to say what they're doing is wrong. To judge somebody is to condemn them, to pass sentence on them, we might say today, right? So we don't pass sentence on people. This guy that went into the nightclub and uh, took the lives of 49 people, that's exactly what he was doing. He was passing sentence on them. And uh, so Jesus says, uh, do not judge lest you be judged and condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you shall be forgiven. Forgive and you shall be forgiven. Well, listen, folks. God did everything he could do for our forgiveness. And it's all there for us. Uh, we just believe it. We thank you for uh, joining us today for the broadcast. Uh, we hope that you got something out of it. We hope that you'll join us again next week for the Wittenberg Door. Uh, we, this program re-airs Sunday morning at 9.13 and Wednesday evening at 7.13. And we'll be back with you live next Friday at 11.13. Thank you for being with us. GH Radio 107.1 LP Marion.